Hi, I'm Shannon Kim, and you are listening to the fourth episode of the Coop Scoop podcast. So today I'm going to be talking about why yours and my skin tone looks the way it is today. So interestingly, Charles Darwin, the infamous naturalist who developed the natural selection theory, you probably recognize him from, what, your freshman year biology textbook? He was born a very lightly pigmented man in a moderately to darkly pigmented world. Over the course of his life, he had a lot of privilege. He came from a pretty wealthy home, and he was raised by two very supportive and interested parents. So when he was in his 20s, he embarked upon a remarkable trip on the ship called the Beagle. And during the course of this trip, he saw remarkable things, like a tremendous diversity of plants and animals and humans. And the observations he made on this epic journey were distilled into this wonderful book titled On the Origin of Species, which was actually published about 150 years ago. So actually not that long ago. Now what's interesting and to some extent what's a bit infamous about the origin of species is that there's only one line in it about human evolution. And that is, quote, light will be thrown on the origin of man and his history. End quote. It wasn't until much longer, much later, that Darwin actually spoke and wrote and researched about humans. Now, in his years of traveling on the Beagle and from listening to the accounts or explorers and naturalists, he knew that skin color was one of the most important ways in which people varied. And he actually was someone interested in the pattern of skin color. He knew that darkly pigmented peoples were found close to the equator, and lightly pigmented peoples, like himself, were found closer to the poles. So what did he make all of this? Well, he didn't write anything about it in The Origin of Species, but much later in 1871, he actually did have something to say about it. And it was quite interesting. He said, enclosed, of all the differences between the races of men, the color of the skin is the most conspicuous and one of the best marked. And he went on to say, these differences do not coincide with corresponding differences in climate. So he had traveled all around, like this guy had basically been everywhere. He had seen people of different colors living in different places, yet he still rejected the idea that human skin pigmentation was related to the climate. I mean, if only Darwin lived in today's age, if only Darwin had NASA. Now, one of the wonderful things that NASA does is put up a variety of satellites that detect all sort of interesting things about our environment. And for many decades now, there have been a series of TOM satellites that have collected data about the radiation of the Earth's surface. And the TOM 7 satellite data shown here, I have it up on a... If you watch the CoopScoop YouTube channel, I'll, it'll show up. But the satellite data, the annual average of ultralight radiation of the Earth's surface, it that's what it's basically showing. Now, the really hot pink and red areas are those parts of the world that receive the highest amounts of UV during the year. The basically cooler colors, like if you look in the chart, blues, greens, yellows, and grays, indicate areas of much lower ultraviolet radiation. What's significant to the story of human skin pigmentation is just how much of the northern hemispheres is in these cool gray zones. This has tremendous implications for our understanding of the evolution of human skin pigmentations. And what Darwin could not appreciate, or just chose not to appreciate at the time, 
is that there is a fundamental relationship between the intensity of ultralight radiation and skin pigmentation. And that pigmentation itself was a product of evolution. So when we look at the map of skin color and predictive skin color as we know it today, what we see is a beautiful gradient from the darkest skin pigmentations toward the equator and the lightest ones toward the poles. What's very, very important is that this is like crucial. The earliest humans evolved in high UV environments in Africa. The earliest members of our lineage, the genus Homo, were darkly, very darkly pigmented. And we all share this incredible heritage of having originally been darkly pigmented. Two million to about one and a half million years ago. So basically, you might be wondering what happened in our history. So if you look at the relationship of ultraviolet radiation to the Earth's surface... In those early days of our evolution, looking at the equator, we were bombarded by high levels of radiation. The UVC, the most energetic type, was occluded by the atmosphere, but the UVB and UVA came in like unpredicted, like we were not expecting it at all. And the UVB turns out to be incredibly important because it's very destructive, but it also catalyzes the production of vitamin D in our skin. And vitamin D is also the molecule that we very much need for our strong bones, the health of our immune system, and, you know, a lot of other important functions in our bodies. So living at the equator, we get lots and lots of ultralight radiation and melanin. This wonderful, complex, ancient compound in our skin served as a superb natural sunscreen. This polymer is amazing because it's present in so many different organisms. Melanin in various forms has probably been on the earth a billion years and it's been recruited over and over again by evolution. So why change it if it works? So melanin was recruited in our lineage and specifically in our earliest ancestors involving in Africa to be a natural sunscreen. It protected the body against degradations of radiation, the destruction or damage to DNA, and the breakdown of a very important molecule called folate, which actually helps to fuel cell production and reproduction in the body. So it's wonderful, and we evolved this very protective, wonderful covering of melanin in our bodies. But this is also when we decided to move around. I don't know, I guess we got bored or something of staying in the same place for like thousands of years so we were like okay let's go migrate and basically we all dispersed not only once but we actually dispersed twice major moves like outside of africa and into other parts of the old world and most recently into the new world so when we basically dispersed into these different latitudes what did we face conditions were significantly colder but they were also less intense with respect to the ultraviolet regime basically because we moved out of these parts and moved away from the equator so if we're getting somewhere in the northern hemisphere look at what's happening to the ultralight radiation like think about it we're still getting a dose of uva but all of the uvb or basically all of it is dissipated into the atmosphere in the winter when you're skiing in the alps you may experience radiation, but it's all UVA, and significantly that UVA has no ability to make vitamin D in your skin. So people inhabiting northern hemispheric environments were 
basically had the potential to make vitamin D in their skin or for most of the year. This unfortunately had tremendous consequences for the evolution of human skin pigmentation. Because what happened in order to ensure health and well-being, these lineages of people dispersing into the northern hemisphere lost their pigmentation. There was natural selection for the evolution of lightly pigmented skin. So here is where we begin to see the evolution of the beautiful sepia rainbow that now categorizes all of humanity. Lightly pigmented skin evolved not just once, but twice. No, wait, not even twice, probably three times. And not just in modern humans, but in our distant, unrelated ancestors. A remarkable, remarkable testament to the power of evolution. Humans have been on the move for a very long time. Like, we've been all over the place. And just in the last 5,000 years, in increasing rates over increasing distances. And here are just some of the biggest movements of people, voluntary movements, in the last 5,000 years. So, some major latitudinal transgressions, people from high, v, UV, high UV areas going into low UV, and, like, vice versa. And actually, if you think and, like, look back on motives, not all of these moves were voluntary. Like, between 1520 and 1867, 12,500,000 people were moved from high UV to low UV in the transatlantic slave trade. Now, obviously, this had all sorts of invidious social consequences, but it also had deteriorous health consequences. We're so clever we can overcome all of these seeming biological impediments. Well, often we're unaware of the fact that we're living in environments in which our skin is inherently poorly adapted. Like some of us with lightly pigmented skin live in high UV areas. Some of us with darkly pigmented skin live in low UV areas. These all have like tremendous consequences for our health and it's like never talked about. If you're lightly pigmented, you have to be careful of problems of skin cancer and destruction of folate in your body by lots of sun. Like a lot of epidemiologists and like a lot of epidemiologists and doctors have been pretty good about telling us to protect our skin. What they haven't been so great about is instructing people about the problem of darkly pigmented people living in high latitude areas or working inside all the time. The problem there is just as severe but more sinister. Vitamin D deficiency from a lack of ultralight B radiation is actually a major problem. The deficiency creeps up on people and causes all sorts of health problems to their bones, the gradual decay of their immune systems, or loss of immune function, and probably some problems with their mood, health, their mental health. So we have in skin pigmentation one of the most wonderful products of evolution that still has consequences for us today. And the social consequences, as we know, are incredibly profound, especially in recent events. And we live in a world where we have lightly and darkly pigmented people living next to one another, but often brought into proximity as a result of these social interactions. So how do we overcome this? How do we begin to understand it? This is when evolution comes in. Like, evolution helps us. 
200 years after Darwin's birthday, we have the first moderately pigmented president of the United States. Like, how wonderful is that? This man is significant for a whole lot of reasons, but we need to think about how he compares in terms of his pigmentation to other people on Earth. He, as one of many urban and mixed populations, is very emblematic of a mixed parentage or a mixed pigmentation. And he resembles very closely people with moderate... Two hundred years after Darwin's birthday, we actually had our very first moderately pigmented president of the United States, Barack Obama. And how wonderful is that? This man is significant for a whole lot of reasons, but we need to think about how he compares in terms of his pigmentation to other people on Earth. He, as one of many admixed urban populations, is very emblematic of a mixed parentage or a mixed pigmentation, and who resembles very closely people with moderate levels of pigmentation who've lived in Southern Africa or Southeast Asia. These people have a tremendous potential to tan, to develop more pigment in their skin as a result of exposure to sun. They also run the risk of vitamin D deficiency if they have desk jobs, like Obama. So let's all wish for his great health and his awareness of his own skin pigmentation. So what's wonderful about the evolution of human skin pigmentation and the phenomenon of pigmentation is that it's the demonstration, the evidence of evolution by natural selection, right on your body. So when people ask you what is the evidence for evolution, you don't even have to think about some exotic examples or fossils or like extensive nerdy background research. You just have to look at your skin. Darwin, I think, would have appreciated this, even though he eschewed the importance of climate on the evolution of pigmentation during his whole life. I think if he were able to look at the evidence we have today, he would understand it. I genuinely just, I think he would appreciate it. And most of all, I think he would teach it. But also, he's not the only one who could hypothetically teach it. You also can teach it. You can touch it. You can understand it. You can take it out of this room. You can take it out of your skin color and celebrate it. Spread the word. You have the evolution of the history of our species or part of it written in your skin. Learn to understand it, learn to appreciate it, and learn to celebrate it. Go out. I mean, like, isn't it beautiful? It's literally wonderful. You are the products of evolution. Thank you for listening. I'm Shannon Kim, and this is the fourth episode of the Coop Scoop podcast.